This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network. Someone asked me recently why I haven't spoken about St. Clair of Assisi. Good question, but the answer was simple. I didn't see how I could tell all of her life in the short time we have together. But more and more, I thought her story has to be told. So I'm going to take the liberty of just using a broad brush stroke to tell the story of this magnificent woman. Time is so fleeting, and we humans sometimes get our priorities a little out of sync. Maybe we should take a moment to think about these great messengers of God. Too often our attention focuses on the exploits of the famous of our day and their foibles and follies, but perhaps we should also think of one of the most important messages from Fatima, a message that we might be overlooking a bit, particularly today. And that message was very simple and direct. Do not offend God any more, because he is already too greatly offended. And that was back in 1917. But the world has turned over a great many times since the subject of our story today first set foot on this planet Earth. In fact, we have to turn the pages of history way back to the 16th of July in the year 1194, the year of Clare's birth. There were two classes then, the very rich and the very poor. Claire was to be the first daughter of a count, as well as being a wealthy descendant of an old Roman family who lived in a royal palace on the slopes of Mount Subasio near the little town of Assisi. Her mother, Ortolana, had ladies-in-waiting who were distantly related to her, and she would later be blessed with two more daughters. Before Claire's birth, Ortolana visited the cathedral in which she prayed for a safe delivery of her child, and she also prayed that the child would be healthy and would come to know, to love, and to serve God. As she was praying, she heard what appeared to her as someone speaking directly to her with the words, You will bear a child who shall be a light for all the world. One could only imagine her looking around to see where the voice was coming from, but there was no one there. She undoubtedly wondered if she were imagining this, or was it a voice from heaven? Well, on the 16th of July, she had a daughter whom she named Claire, which roughly translates to mean bright light. And certainly in the years to come and the centuries to follow, her life would indeed be a bright light leading to the throne of God. Over the next few years, the family would be blessed with the two more daughters named Catherine and Beatrice. We don't know too much about the early daily activities of the girls and their lives, other than the faith of the family was important to each of the girls. But it seemed to have a stronger impact on young Claire, who was now approaching her early teens. One day, Claire's mother was interested in buying some fine linens, and the girls accompanied her into one of the more exclusive shops where the owner's son, Francis Bernardoni, waited on them and amused them by good-naturedly kidding young Claire. He was probably ten or twelve years older than she, but there was something about him that Claire sensed was different, 
and she would remember this young man very well. Well, more time passed, and one night at dinner, Claire's father told a strange story that was the talk of the town in Assisi. He said that young Bernardoni fellow had certainly made a fool out of himself that day. Well, naturally, everyone wanted to know what he had done. Well, as he explained, the young man's father had accused him of stealing from the store and then trying to sell the linen he had taken in order to give the money he received to the poor. This confrontation had taken place in, in front of one of the great fountains on the street of Assisi. The young man's father had told the bishop who ordered Francis to return the money to his father. Well, in front of the fountain, Francis did return the money, and because his father had bought Francis's fine clothes, the young man removed them on the spot and also gave them back to his father right there. Well, of course, everyone was shocked, and the, and the bishop took one of the cloths and wrapped it around Francis. Everyone was curious, and they asked what happened. Well, the father went on to exclaim, making fun of him, that he was actually silly and, and talked about being what he called Christ's knight and serving Lady Liberty. Well, as a side issue, if you were to go to Assisi today, you would be able to stand by that very same fountain, which is exactly as it was so many years ago. It's been said that Claire did not join in the laughter that evening, but remained strangely quiet. You see, while the family was religious and abided by the rules of the church, Claire was somehow different. She loved the church above all else, and she was more inclined to prayers and offering up little mortifications to God with many personal sacrifices. It may have been at this time that Claire was beginning to develop a distaste for the secularism of the world and yearning for a more spiritual life for herself. Well, a few more years would pass, and Claire would grow from a young girl into a beautiful young woman with glorious blonde hair, and she would move around the town, and as she did, she would attract the attention of most of the eligible young bachelors of the city, and of course she would ignore them completely. As you can imagine, this certainly disturbed her mother, who knew a number of young men who were interested in considering her as a prime catch for marriage. One day, Ortolano, her mother, had had enough and suggested a specific young man of royalty and great wealth who would make an ideal husband for her, despite the fact that Claire had evidenced no interest in and finally, probably in desperation, Claire was emphatic when she announced, I have already told you that I have no interest in marriage. I do not plan to be married. My heart belongs only to Jesus Christ. Her mother probably responded with the worst thing she could have said. She answered that this could very easily mean that she would live a life of poverty. Claire was quick to point out Francis Bernardoni, who moved through the streets of Assisi, saying that poverty was a way to become even closer to God. 
Claire's father sneered and muttered something about everyone thought Francis would amount to something, and he's now been reduced to being a beggar with a bunch of beggars who should have jobs joining him. But Claire's mind was made up, and yet there were young men of wealth, position, and prestige and promise who would propose marriage a marriage filled with wealth, position, and prestige, but the answer was always the same. She would tell them that her heart belongs to another, to Jesus Christ, and her future was to be with him. There were those who said, that's fine, we can love and serve him together. But her mind was made up even though she was suffering the anger and displeasure of her father, who once gave her a direct threat when he said, I will never let you enter a convent. Well, that was a blow, a blow to be reckoned with. Her father had power. Would he actually use it to deny her her love for Christ? Then it struck her, Francis, he had the same fate at home. She thought, I will talk to him. He will tell me what I must do. She knew how Francis and his brothers had taken to the streets, preaching their words of wisdom while undergoing the humility of begging. So she sought him out, and when she found him, she told him her story and sought his counsel and told him everything that was happening and how the family was pressuring her to enter into a marriage that, that she didn't want. She wanted to live simply for Christ, just as Francis was living, for God alone. Well, Francis smiled at her and said very simply, I can help you. He even had a place in mind that would be perfect for her. After all, he had been told in the heavenly message, Rebuild my church. And Francis, knowing that the church of San Damiano had fallen into ruin, had restored it. Part of it could be Claire's new home, he thought. Well, Francis, not wanting to be hasty, told Claire that they should take their time in reaching the right decision and that it would be well for them to meet frequently to consider their options while praying for heavenly enlightenment as to what they should do. Claire agreed, and rather than leave the question hanging, they made an appointment for their next meeting to further their discussions. Well, it was not long before Claire's father uh, had, well, he understood part of her pain, but the loss of it seemed to to affect the frailty of life itself, and, and she wanted to live for Christ in poverty, and the prayer life seemed to be gaining momentum. Well, as she neared the age of 18 and during a meeting with Francis, her mind had been made up. She told him that she was now ready to make her commitment to God. Francis was overjoyed and always eager to do what was right with the church, something that the church would be completely comfortable in its attempt. He agreed at first to take her to see the bishop and obtain his permission for her to start her journey of faith in perfect conformity with the church's wishes. This was in the spring of 1212. So, meeting with the bishop, he asked her what she wished, and Claire replied, I want to live a poor life following Jesus, doing what he asks. 
sell everything and follow me. Well, not being hasty, the bishop wanted to think about her request, and since Palm Sunday was approaching, he told her that, well, as he thought about it, he would reach a conclusion, and at Mass, when he distributed the palms, well, if he gave her a palm, that was the signal that he had agreed. Well, the day came, he started to distribute the palms, People rushed forward to receive them, but Claire remained at her seat as if frozen in space. And then the bishop looked up and moved toward her and personally handed her a palm on Palm Sunday morning. She later confided to her friend, one of the ladies of her household, and she, the lady immediately asked, if she could join her in the great journey and offered her help in any way possible. Well, in the dark of the evening, Claire and Pacifica, the lady, made their way through the streets of Assisi until they reached the little church that was ablaze with lights and singing, known as the Portiuncula. And that little church still stands today surrounded by a much bigger basilica where thousands make it their pilgrimage destination every day of the year. When Francis saw her, he called her forward, asking what she wished. And her answer was, I wish to offer myself to Jesus Christ and to be his forever. And Francis asked, Do you wish to live a life of poverty, having only Jesus Christ for your wealth? And she answered, Yes. She was beckoned forward and knelt, and then Francis took a pair of large scissors and cut off her hair as a dedication to Christ. Pacifica held up a large sheet behind which Claire removed her fine clothing and donned the simple gray dress that was a sign of her covenant with Christ. The transformation was now complete. She was first taken to the convent of San Paolo for a short period while her family was hopefully waiting to accept her vocation. To Claire's surprise, her action actually motivated her sister Catherine to also enter the convent. And hearing of this, her uncle, who had assumed the head of the family after the death of Claire's father, exploded with anger, refusing to accept her actions and vowing to bring her home. At one point, he entered the convent and was ready to forcefully grab her, but as he raised his arm, he couldn't move it. It was, though, paralyzed. Well, he left in defeated anger, and Claire was moved to another convent nearby. Francis joined them, and Catherine also had her hair cut and received her habit of a coarse tunic and thick veil. This was the 20th of March in the year... 1212. Well, the ladies worked hard to make their meager surroundings their new home. For the lack of a better name, they called themselves the poor ladies. But people were beginning to notice them. They felt these women were answering a call from God and doing something that was pleasing to Him. And pleasing God became a desire for others. Friends and acquaintances of Claire, seeing her happiness, also wanted to join their group. She was like a magnet. 
But the new order, if it could be properly called that, had to have its own rule, and Francis had been called with others to a council in Rome where Claire hoped their new order would be accepted. But since at that time there were so many new groups wishing to be recognized as legitimate religious communities, the council decided no new religious orders would be recognized, and they must choose to follow the rule of St. Benedict, as well as his divine orders. Well, Claire was disturbed because they didn't want to own any properties. They wanted to remain poor and depend only on the generosity of God. And they didn't want titles other than just poor servants of God, dependent on him for their very survival. Against her will, Claire accepted the title of abbess and accordingly removed their Franciscan desire of absolute poverty. Francis reassured her that she must comply and that the will of God will ultimately be recognized and that can best be obtained by continuing to pray. Well, more and more women were seeing the works of these poor ladies and the strange as it may seem to many of us, they were motivated also with a burning desire to serve God and the numbers grew to around 50 women who accepted the views of Claire and wished to join her on her holy mission, which made it more difficult to secure enough food to feed them all. But God would miraculously provide. For example, one day one of the brothers brought one loaf of bread to the ladies. But Claire knew that they too, the brothers, needed food and insisted that the loaf be cut in two and half returned to the brothers. Their portion would scarcely feed only a few, but as she cut the remaining half loaf for the poor ladies, something strange happened. The slices became bigger and the half loaf was enough to feed all fifty women. They learned firsthand the absolute power of God. Surprisingly, perhaps, other members of Claire's family, one by one, were motivated by her example to give up everything in order to serve God, and that eventually included Claire's own mother. In the year 1221, Francis visited Claire, and she told him of word that other women in other cities had heard about their order and also wished to join them. But Francis was overjoyed and considered it a sign of God's blessing. She spoke of receiving letters from Florence, wanting to know how they prayed, how they worked, and how they were serving God. The story, the story of Claire was, was spreading, but she worried that merely putting information in a letter was not sufficient, and perhaps she should send someone from their group to lead them. For Francis agreed with this completely. She was, well, she was sad to say that her sister was the best possible person to go and that she would miss her terribly, but she would be serving God to the fullest. And when asked, her sister said, well, she was shocked, but then thinking about it said, I have learned from you how to love our Lord. And while I would miss you, 
I will always do what the Lord asks me to do. In the springtime of the year, in 1225, Claire was busily working with the spinning wheel, creating something quite unlike anything she had made before, and when asked what she was doing, explained that God had given a very special blessing to Francis. Francis had received the symbol of the crucifixion on his hands, his side, and his feet. It was called the stigmata, and she was making slippers to protect the wounds on Francis's feet, since Francis's health seemed to be failing, and he always walked barefooted. He also appeared to be losing his sight. Later she would receive a letter dictated by Francis, since he, he could not see then, and one day that would, they would meet. He said that possibly the next time they would meet, well, that time it would be in heaven. And he died soon after. In 1228, Gregory the Ninth canonized Francis a saint, and the poor ladies rejoiced. Well, their fame had spread widely. And one of the sisters, a friend uh, of uh, Sister Claire, announced one day something that was surprising to all of them. The Pope himself was there visiting their simple convent at San Damiano. And it was there that Claire requested of the Pope again that she hoped that her order could be recognized so that they could follow more closely Francis's wishes about poverty and ask the Holy Father for permission to own nothing and to rely solely on God's providence to provide what they needed. The Holy Father was terribly impressed and granted them the privilege of owning nothing but still required them to follow the rules of St. Benedict rather than their own, though her goal was still to be able to follow the rule of the now uh, St. Francis. The story of the Holy Woman Claire was spreading throughout all of Europe. For example, the Princess Agnes of Bohemia, daughter of the king, announced that she did not wish to marry, but become like Claire of Assisi and follow her life of penance, prayer, and worshiping God. And it was her wish that a convent like that of Assisi be started in her country. Well, she wrote Claire telling her of her desires and that her father would finance the building of a convent and begged to join her order. By now, the poor ladies had opened another convent in northern Italy, Italy, and five women from there would travel to Bohemia and help with the establishment of the new convent. Times were not easy especially in 1240, as the Saracens were wreaking havoc throughout the area with an army financed by the king of Sicily to overthrow the pope, and the convent in Assisi was a prime target, an unprotected convent housing nothing but women, a prize for the vicious soldiers. By now, Claire had become frail, after years of sacrifice, and was often confined to her bed. Learning of the approaching Saracens, with no one to stop them on their violent journey, Claire managed to get up from her pallet and head for the chapel, asking one of the sisters to bring her the Eucharist. 
placing the Eucharist in a place of honor, Claire prostrated herself face down on the floor before the Sacred Heart, asking God's help as the soldiers started ramming the doors of the convent with massive logs as a battering ram. But God heard her prayers and for some reason the Saracens stopped what they were doing, becoming frightened, halted their attack, and ran away. Well, the years continued to pass, and it was Christmas Eve, and Claire wanted desperately to go to the chapel for prayers and the beautiful songs honoring the feast of Christmas, but she was too weak. She prayed, Jesus I want nothing more than to praise and adore you with the others. Suddenly, in her room, far from the church, she heard the music with the brothers singing as clearly as if she were there. God had again answered her prayers. After Christmas, Claire's condition worsened, but she had a visitor. It was Pope Innocent IV who came in person to give her his blessing, and she again asked for her order to be able to follow the rule of Francis. He promised to think about it. On August the 11th, 1253, Claire was slowly slipping away. Some of the brothers were there when a messenger arrived and read a proclamation approving her order that we now know as the Poor Clares. Everyone was singing as Claire closed her eyes and, and then spoke in a loud, clear voice, Do you see the King of glory whom I see? And she left this world to be with her king. She was canonized by Pope Alexander IV in 1260, and today there are about 18,000 or more poor Claires serving in more than 70 countries and the brightness of her life shines as a beacon of hope to a world struggling to find its way to heaven, where Francis and Claire will be waiting. This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network.